the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following is a conversation between Peter Burns, Chief Executive Officer of the ARC of the United States, and Denver Frederick, host of The Business of Giving on AM 970 The Answer, WNYM, in New York City. The ARC promotes and protects the human rights of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. It also actively supports their full inclusion and participation in the community throughout their lifetimes. It's a big mission, and it is led by our next guest. He is Peter Burns, the president and CEO of The Ark. Good evening, Peter, and welcome to The Business of Giving. It's great to be here, Denver. Share with us the history of The Ark and how the organization has evolved since its founding. Sure. Well, some of the origins we can actually trace back to the 1930s, uh, but the organization was officially founded in 1950, and it really was started by parents. And there's a really interesting story about the ARC, and when I speak about parents, I'm really talking about moms. Mm. And this was back in the day when if you had a, a child with significant disabilities, intellectual disabilities, you very well may have been told by your doctor, why don't you let them institutionalize your child, sign over your parental rights to the state, and go home and take care of the rest of your family? Best so, for you and best for the child. Right, mm-hmm. right. And these are moms who said, no, yeah. they're not going to do that. <laughs> and the uh, families, and they took their children home, and they started working in local, uh, started working to create better life opportunities for their sons and daughters with disabilities. And it started kind of organically, a true grassroots nonprofit fashion. All around the country is these organizations um, popping up. And then in the late 1940s, they found each other and decided to start a new organization, a national organization. And that's how the ARC was born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does sound like church basements, doesn't it? It's church basements, <laughs> people's people's living room. And in New York, you hear the story of the mom who put an ad in the paper looking for other moms. Yeah, and that's, yeah. how, that's how it all began. What? does intellectual and developmental disabilities include? The most common diagnoses that people are um, aware of are conditions like Down syndrome or autism spectrum disorder, uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, fragile X uh, syndrome. But there are literally 200 different diagnoses that Mm. kind of manifest or fit within the category of an intellectual or developmental disability, and they're really ca- characterized by, um, you know, below uh, by IQ and limits that people experience in their functional capacity and their ability to, you know, kind of deal with some of the basics of day to day life. Yeah. How is the organization structured? You're a federation, right? So, so we are um, a federation, in which, which means uh, we have 610 chapters around the country. We've got local chapters on the front line that are working uh, to serve people and their, and their families. We've got state chapters that are very involved in advocacy um, at the state level and organizing folks in, in support of advocacy um, at the nation, national level. And then we also have the national organization. And each of our local units and state units are a separate nonprofit organization. And we all band together in this federation's structure flying the same flag and committed to the same values and the same uh, principles and, and the same mission. 
What's the key to leading a federation? I mean, this doesn't sound like an easy task yeah. when you have all these hundreds of independent nonprofit organizations, but you have to be singing from the same playing book. Um, as a, the CEO, what's what's the key yeah. to making all of that work? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I often refer to that as that my job involves herding cats. Yeah, and there's sure. You know, there's very much that, that element to it. Um, you know, but I think uh, what's really important is focusing on what we all have in common. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's the mission of promoting, protecting the civil rights of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and actively supporting them to be included in their communities um, and fully participate in their communities across the, the lifespan. You know, and this is an organization that, that serves people from, you know, prenatal diagnoses that a family may receive before, before a child with disabilities is born to, to end-of-life issues. So we're involved with every aspect of the life of people with disabilities. And what I find interesting, and you mentioned it before about your founding, is that to be part of this federation, the local chapter really has to have the deep involvement of the family and the siblings leading the organization. Is that true? Family, the siblings, and individuals with disabilities themselves. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's one of the things that really distinguishes the ARC from other developmental disability organizations is since the days of the founding to the present, family mm. have been critical to the leadership of this organization. It started with the parents and then siblings joined along, and, and then folks with disabilities themselves, as they came out of institutions like Willowbrook, yeah. uh, they started speaking for themselves and started to call themselves self-advocates, and they became very important leaders in, in the movement um, as well. That's great. Yeah, too many of them are, are these organizations are run by the professionals and by board members who can give a check and not by people who have really been touched well, by, the, by the issue. They're not mutually exclusive. No, they're not mutually <laughs> exclusive. That's right. exactly right. Well, your three biggest areas of service are education, employment, and housing. So let's briefly talk about the work that you're doing in each, starting with education. What does that entail? So, um, you know, there, there are very big problems and challenges for um, folks with disabilities, uh, students with disabilities mm-hmm. in, in the education system. You know, we, ha- we have a, um, a national law that, re- that entitles students with disabilities to receive a free, appropriate public education in the le- least restrictive setting. You know, that's been a vision for many years now, but we're not really accomplishing that. So our chapters are really, really involved in providing support to families to help them navigate the complexity of the special education system and get what they need for their children with disabilities. A lot of our chapters also do after-school programs. Mm-hmm. They, do, they do summer um, programs, and they're very involved in, in policy um, advocacy. You know, one, advocacy to try to get special education in the schools fully funded, um, and two, also advocacy to, to address, um, you know, tough issues like um, inappropriate use of seclusion and restraint mm. um, in, in the schools. Mm-hmm. How do you help your clients with employment? Well, it's another big area of challenge for folks with disabilities. The sad reality is that, well, um, many if not most uh, adults, working-age adults with disabilities could be working. Only about 15% are employed. Wow. Many would like to be working. So our chapters are engaged in a variety of activities in this area. Some of them operate businesses that actually employ people with disabilities. They help support people with disabilities to find jobs in, in the uh, mainstream employment marketplace. 
um, and um, help uh, folks be successful in those jobs. Uh, just um, earlier this week, I was at, for example, um, earlier this week I was at a meeting with the CEO of Advance Auto Parts, hmm. and we just launched a national partnership with Advance to help them place um, to recruit and place individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities um, into their distribution centers and their retail stores. And yesterday when we were, to, we were talking with the CEO, we were talking about placing folks into their headquarters as well. Fantastic. Those are the kind of partnerships you need to, to, to move the needle. We're really excited about that. Yeah. And, of course, housing is always a big issue and a challenge. What are some of your more successful successful initiatives here? Yeah. So a lot of our chapters around the country um, actually operate housing. They operate um, gr- group homes, uh, you know, small group homes to support folks living in the community. And then they also su- provide supports for folks to, to live in apartments and homes on their own, mm-hmm. you know, providing the services and support someone needs to, um, to be successful living um, independently. And they also provide supports um, to um, families where their adult son or daughter with disabilities is, is living, still living at home with mom and dad. And part of the reality, one of the challenges we face in, in this area is, is that um, about you know, the majority, about 75% of adults with disabilities continue to live with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those families, and, and that includes more than a million families nationwide, where mom and dad are in their 60s and, and older. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of those families don't have a plan for what's going to happen in the future I'm sure. when mom and dad can no longer support their, their son or daughter. So we're doing a lot of work um, nationally and with our chapters around the country around future planning and have created a lot of tools and resources to help families plan for the future. Where is their son or daughter? Uh, the, where is the individual go- going to live? Um, and uh, you know, how are they going to build a, a really rich, robust life um, independently in the community. What are some of the answers to that, uh, as an example? Because that's a tough, tough question. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, it takes um, it takes planning. Yeah. Um, and uh, it takes, uh, you know, really marshalling all the resources that are available in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the big challenges with we, we have this. Well, the arc has um, been successful over, over the years. You know, in advocating for the creation of programs and funding streams that provide services and supports for people with disabilities, but the the reality is, the government funded programs are only supporting about fifteen percent of the families that need help. Mm. Um, and, and so, lots of families are really left fending uh, for themselves. But ultimately, what we need to do is we need to marshal all the the resources. We need to marshal the the government resources. We need to marshal private resources. Um, you know. Through through charity and, and uh, you know just through through friendships and and um, and professional associations um, and uh, we we need to um, garner more attention yeah. and investment um, in this cause. You know, you said the government is helping about fifteen percent of the families that need help. What is the total universe in terms of families that um, have this uh, this challenge? Yeah. Uh, General estimates are there are around 7 million people with okay. intellectual and developmental disabilities um, in the um, country. Mm-hmm. You know, I should add, uh, the organization also provides services within the criminal justice system through your National Center on Criminal Justice and Disability. A key initiative there is the Pathways to Justice program. Tell us all about that. So one thing that folks really don't understand is that individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities are – 
overrepresented in the juvenile justice system, mm -hmm. and they're overrepresented in our jails and prisons. And there's something of a pipeline that goes from one to the, to mm -hmm. the, to the other, as um, I'm sure you, you know. Um, so what we're trying to do through our Pathways to Justice uh, program is educate all the players in the law, in the law enforcement system, you know, from the first responder, the police officer, uh, to the prosecutors and defense attorneys and, and the judges, to first recognize when they are encountering someone who has an intellectual and developmental disability, and then to make sure that they provide the necessary accommodation and support so, the, so folks are treated fairly in the criminal justice system. And across the whole process from, you know, arrest through, uh, unfortunately, in some cases, in incarceration mm -hmm. when people commit crimes. Peter, I can only imagine the challenge it is is to cover this incredibly wide spectrum and breadth of services. How do you go about managing that? Well, you know, it's funny. I often joke that as a as the chief executive officer of an organization like this, I only get to know a little bit about a lot of different <laughs> a lot of different subjects. You know, so, so it is really um, quite a challenge. You know, part of um, the way we do it, though, is we have a tremendously talented, uh, knowledgeable staff at the national level, mm -hmm. and and we also recognize that the the strength of the ARC as an organization is we have tremendously talented, knowledgeable people all across the Federation. And part of our task as a national organization is to try to figure out how to harness the collective intelligence, the collective knowledge and experience across our 610 chapters and then really put it to, put it to good use. Yeah. And so we do a lot, of, a lot of work organizing chapters to work together, whether it's in criminal justice or future planning or special education advocacy or use of technology to support people with disabilities. We try to bring our chapters together to work together, learn from one another, and advance the field in that way. That's very smart. Tap the experts and then disseminate the information. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. The organization is known for being very effective up on Capitol Hill. What have been some of your federal policy, uh, public policy successes, and what are the big things you're working on at the moment? So um, over the years, the ARC has been instrumental. Has been a, we've been a major player in every, ma every development that has advanced the civil rights of people with disabilities, mm -hmm. has been put in place the programs and supports that they need to to live in the community. What were some of those um, So, uh, you know, a big example of that is the, the creation of the social of the uh, S Social Security Disability Insurance Program, yep. the, the SSI, or Supplemental Security um, Disability Insurance Program, Medicaid-funded home and community-based services, the enactment of the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, the, the passage of the law that requires, now requires um, free appropriate public education for, for um, public school students. Um, students with with disabilities, um, and um, you know, m more recently, uh, the Affordable Care Act, which yeah. is uh, critically important to folks with disabilities, and um, also the Able Act, which allows families that have children with disabilities to create disability savings accounts, kind of analogous to education savings accounts. Some so big wins. A, lo a lot of big wins. A lot of big challenges that we still face. Yeah. What are some of those? Well, the, um, frankly, the last three years, we've really been fighting something of a, a defensive battle. I often describe it as uh, working to present, prevent the dismantling of everything that we built the, pri the prior 70 years um, <laughs> building. So, um, but um, th that's been, been the major battle. And then really trying to figure out how do we break through um, this problem of um, you know, 
the system only serving about 15 percent of the the people. Mm -hmm. And how do we break through? One of the other really big problems that we're currently facing in in this field is that the um, organizations, our chapters and other organizations that serve people with disabilities or families when they're looking for help, um, there's a, a real, what we refer to as the direct support workers crisis. You know, we really have trouble finding the workers who are going to do the one-to-one personal support for individuals with disabilities. And if you can't get good workers who are going to stay, quality of life for the folks being um, with disabilities um, is going to decline. Yeah. Well, the best workers have always been the caregivers and the time commitment they need to make and the stress that inherit in doing this is really significant. Um, talk a little bit about the caregivers and, yeah. and what their challenges are. So when you, you think of caregivers, you know, there are really two groups here. You have the professional caregivers, yeah. the direct support workers who have really challenging jobs and, and there isn't enough funding in the system to give them adequate pay. And mm-hmm. so there's a high turnover and we, we're losing talent constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one group. The bigger group, of yeah. course, are, are the parents and the family members yeah, that's what I was thinking about. who, who yeah. are providing the day-to-day um, care. And the data, you know, we've done a lot of research in this area, and the reality is that uh, folks who are caregivers are really stressed out, and they're grappling with a lot of challenges. They're having trouble uh, balancing their, their work responsibilities and, and their caregiving um, responsibilities, and they are desperately in need of more support. And one of the, the things that we're actually working on now is, you know, we're trying to start up a dialogue with a number of, of businesses and really looking at the subject of how can a business better support those of its employees who are caregivers? Because the reality we know from the research, and actually Harvard Business School recently came out with a study on this, is every workforce has a lot of folks in it who are caregivers, Mm -hmm. who are struggling with the day-to-day of caregiving. And businesses need to do a lot more to support caregivers. And we're looking actually to pilot a new program where the ARC would be involved working with business to provide a caregiving employee benefit. Oh, that's interesting. um, To, uh, you know, bring more help to the caregivers. Fantastic. Well, a lot of the cohort you serve... um, for them, traveling can be stressful and even a frustrating process. The ARC has a program to address that. It's called Wings for Autism, Wings for All. Tell us about it. This is, this is really exciting, and it's a great demonstration of the, of the power that is in the ARC. So we have a program, Wings for Autism. It originated in Boston when one family went to one of our chapters and described a problem they had with their son with, um, on the autism spectrum um, you know, not being able to successfully navigate through the airport. Mm. And the ch- chapter then created this program called Wings for Autism, where the, it's a travel simulation where the family go and the individual with disabilities goes and checks in at the ticket counter. They go through TSA. They go to the gate area. They board a plane. And so they can practice that whole experience before they spend a lot of money buying tickets for a vacation only to find out that they can't do it. Yeah. Um, and this problem, this uh, program originated um, in Boston, and we have since um, spread it nationwide. So this year we had, or last year, we had um, 40 Wings for Autism or Wings for All events in airports around the country. And we're getting wonderful stories of families coming back to us telling how, you know, their son or daughter could finally go see grandma living oh, across wow. the con- country yeah. when they had never been able to do that before. What a wonderful idea. And as you say, it's, again, one chapter. 
coming up with that idea and then disseminating it, and now the program is just well, it's getting its own wings and it's beginning to spread. Well, that's right. It's really it's really <laughs> taken off. There you go. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> um, ARC has historically received the lion's share of its support from the federal government, and I know that you have wanted to bring more private philanthropy to the table. Um, Peter, how are those efforts coming, and to a degree that they've been successful, what are some of those revenue streams? Yeah. So for our federation as a whole, as you described, a lot of the money comes from the federal government and state governments through the Medicaid program. Mm -hmm. The Medicaid program is the single largest source of funding for home and community-based services that support people um, with disabilities. And so by and large, um, those funds aren't growing anymore. Mm. So our chapters need to look to other sources um, of, of revenue. And really um, working on, uh, you know, knocking on the doors of foundations and companies and, of course, um, individuals l looking for that support. Part of the challenge in this area is disability has really been, has been not on the radar screen for a lot of uh, folks in the philanthropic community, mm -hmm. particularly the, the foundations um, and the corporations. And so we're really working, working to change that. We're working on a, knocking on a lot of doors, educating folks about the role of people with disabilities in the, um, in the community, the presence of people with disabilities and, their, and the unique challenges that they and their family members face. And we're starting to gain some, some momentum, right. attra attracting more resources, uh, more philanthropic resources to the cause. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned one corporate partnership uh, already. Give us one or two others that you have that are really helping your, uh, pro you know, promote your work. Well, I mentioned uh, Advance Auto Parts mm -hmm. um, is a new partner. We have a longstanding relationship with Comcast, NBC, Universal, which has been very supportive of some of the work that we're doing um, around uh, the use of technology and supporting people with disabilities. Oh, that's cool. Um, and they just, I mean, we were, we were thrilled. They just, over this past uh, year, decided to extend their Internet Essentials program to folks with disabilities who are on um, SSI to make the internet available to lots of folks who previously haven't had it available. But great, great working relationship with Comcast, NBC Universal, um, with Walmart, oh, yeah. um, and uh, you know, quite a few um, smaller companies as well. Mm -hmm. What's it like working at the Ark? You know, the corporate culture. What's the best thing about it yeah. in your mind, and what are you working on to make it better? Sure. Um, one of the, the major ahas to me when I came on board at the ARC uh, almost 12, 12 years ago um, was to discover the passion that people bring to this cause. And, one of the, and that's really one of the strengths of the, of the culture of the feder Federation. And it, you know, it's really understandable that a lot of our, our folks on boards, on staff, our parents or family members, they have a personal stake, but the passion – extends well beyond that. Anybody who gets involved in this cause, it seems, gets to be passionate about it. Um, and, and that's a, you know, a really central part of the culture. The other thing is um, a sense of um, responsibility that crosses generations, hmm. and that families look to this organization to protect the rights of their sons and daughters with disabilities after they're gone. Hmm. And people will say that to us. And, and, you know, for those of us hearing that message, it just tells us, you know, we, we have an awesome responsibility yeah. in leading this organization. What would you like to get better at? Well, we're really working hard to get better at fundraising, to yep. get to, to um, venture into the world more aggressively of, of social media. And, uh, you know, 
get folks to know who the Ark is because we are one of the most well-kept secrets, you know, eighth largest charity federation in the country, 610 chapters, 4,700 service locations, and it seems there are too many people out there who just don't know who we are and the extraordinary work that we're doing for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Branding, branding, branding. (laughs) Well, I hope this helps at least a little bit. Let me close with this, Peter. You've done some studies and surveys measuring how our nation is doing to support people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and their families. How are we doing and what needs to happen for us to do better? We've made tremendous progress in this country over the last 70 years in improving life opportunities for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, and we still have a long, long way to go for people to be fully included in their communities. And we recently have come to think that the basic problem we're still facing is that um, the average person out in the community doesn't know anyone with an intellectual or developmental disability. Mm-hmm. And, and there isn't you know, a fundamental, fundamental respect for the humanity of these individuals. You know, they're different. You don't understand who they are, mm-hmm. what, they're, what they're like. And so there's a dynamic there that we need to, and that's holding us back. Yeah. There's a dynamic there that we really need to change. And so really encourage everyone to get to know someone with an intellectual and developmental disability. Don't look the other way if you, if you see someone who obviously looks different. And a lot of times these are invisible disabilities, so you won't know. But if you see someone who looks different or you, you encounter someone with, a, with an intellectual or developmental disability, get to know them, and it will enrich your life, and it will do good for everyone. Well, Peter Burns, the president and CEO of The Ark, I want to thank you so much for being here this evening. Where can people find additional information about the organization, your services, and maybe provide some support for all that you do? Best thing to do is go to our website, thearc.org, T-H-E-A-R-C dot O-R-G. And when you're on the site, you can also click through and locate one of our chapters right here in your community. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Peter. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Denver. I'll be back with more of The Business of Giving right after this. The Business of Giving can be heard every Sunday evening between 6 and 7 p.m. Eastern on AM 970 The Answer in New York and on iHeartRadio. You can follow us at Biz of Give on Twitter and at Facebook.com slash Business of Giving.